The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. In 2023, I set out the goal to be a better version of myself in every way. And one big thing I identified was that almost every day, I went through patches of feeling so tired that I'd just struggle to function. The first one was always when I'd wake up first thing in the morning. I just felt like I wanted to go straight back to sleep every single morning. And then again in the afternoon was the next big one at like 2 to 4 p.m. Every day, I just hit this massive wall and struggle through the Arvo not being myself. Adding Pillar Performance's Triple Magnesium to my nighttime routine every single day completely changed that in 2023. And it really has made me a more energetic version of myself from the moment I wake up and right through to the moment I go to sleep at night. I enjoy training first thing in the morning more than I ever have. And I probably enjoy where I used to dread getting out the door to train in the afternoon after work. I think it was something that I just like, by the time it came around, be like, oh, I guess I've got to go and get this done. Whereas now I'm like, I'm, yeah, I can't wait to get out the door. I'm really excited to train. I'm pretty convinced like 90% of that, maybe more, is because of how much better I sleep at nights. And I think I sleep so much better at nights because I've added triple magnesium from Pillar Performance. And, and I know I say it every week, but it really is because I 110% completely believe in it. And if you haven't tried Pillar's triple magnesium for yourself yet, because maybe you think I'm lying, maybe you don't think it'll do anything for you. And I just honestly think you have to try it at least once to see, because I know how much it's helped me and I know how many people it's helped because so many people this year in 2023 have messaged me telling me the exact same things that I get on here and say every single week, um, that they wake up with more energy, that they enjoy training first thing in the morning more, that they're just a better version of themselves because of how much better their sleep is. So if you do want to try it or you just want to stock back up because you've already tried it and are a convert, then head to Pillar Performance's website and make sure you use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Daniel Backergaard, welcome back to the Triathlon Hour. Uh, you're in Australia at the moment. You've just won Challenge Canberra and Ironman bustled it on back-to-back weekends. And everyone down here has started calling you the king of Australia, which I'm, I'm looking forward to, talk, to asking you about and hearing about. But before we get there, can we briefly go back in time to the Ironman World Championships in Nice, which was supposed to be your big race for the year, but you pulled out the week of the race. Can you just fill me in on what happened there? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me back, Jack. It was um it's just been a great few weeks here. Um nah, but in uh yeah, pre World Championships I I went to Singapore to uh do the final race of the of the PGO calendar. Uh unfortunately I like everybody else got sick with uh COVID and uh infection in um in the blood and um yeah everything that comes with it so i yeah i had a four four or five weeks um where i was basically just laying on the couch um just after after singapore i went straight to club Ascensor to do the uh, the final preparations as planned but i was just laying in bed like sleeping 18 hours uh, a day and couldn't do i couldn't see out my eyes almost so 
Yeah, that was kind of shitty. Not the kind of way you want to end your season. So just how bad was your uh, version of the Singapore Valley? Um, I'll not go completely into details, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say I had a week where I could barely walk. To be honest, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really bad. It was really bad. Do you find it crazy that Christian Blumenfeld raced the seventy point three World Championships, like knowing how bad Singapore Valley was? Um, I, th- I mean, no, not really, because he he was there. So why not just go for it in in some weird way? Um, yeah, I I think the the biggest problems problem there could be like the long term effects of of pushing your body and um, yeah, and uh, and go through with the race, but it also seems like. Or it, it it looked like he did not really have, uh, yeah, the legs to really obviously <laughs> to to push to push push his body a lot. Um, and I think that's like ultimately that was also kind of the the worst thing about it because obviously uh, Sam he went on he all he also uh, got COVID and um, in Singapore and. And didn't like he swam, and that was the only thing he did. So I think that's that's also also kind of the the death punch uh, for the rest of us. The fact that we we went through uh, through the race, and because it was just it was so taxing on the body, and and a tough race, tough conditions to actually go through. And I think that was like the nail in the casket, to uh, to be honest. And so looking back on it, do you do you think it was a hundred percent? covid that was the reason everyone there was so sick or do you think it was the water quality in singapore i think it was just a mixture of everything um i heard i heard so i think there was some kind of outbreak of uh, of covid and um you know i i ordered room service uh just to be extra careful and stuff and i still got hit hard so it's like it's it's difficult to yeah to predict i think Obviously, the water the water didn't taste great, so um, <laughs> there must have been some kind of uh, stuff going on there. But you know, it's yeah, it's impossible to say what 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 was the massive factor. I know a lot of age groupers also got sick, so yeah, it could be many things. Um, but it's just something we have to kind of learn how to deal with because obviously we're gonna race in the biggest cities in the world, and and you know. It's not always going to be uh, cities that is, uh, yeah, that have a, a huge ocean or fantastic water quality um, running through. So we just we need to find a solution where we can actually perform well and still like have the the health of the athletes um, coming first. Will you be hesitant to head back to Singapore to race early next year? Uh, it's not my dream destination, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see how how the the season will unfold and how the cal- calendar will look like. Okay, now let's uh, let's talk about Australia because you've come down here and you've sort of done what a lot of the Europeans have done recently, like Mika Newt and Casper Stoiners have gone over and showed the Americans that the Europeans are just better. And then you and Fenella have come down here and. I know the Europeans had uh, all six people on the uh, Ironman World Championships podiums this year. So 
Yeah, how, how's your experience in Australia been coming down and just winning winning both races within seven days of each other? Um, like to, to be honest, the uh, the the victories was just kind of icing on the cake. Um, the whole lead up to this um, to this trip, I, I went I went to Australia beginning of of November. Um, had a couple of weeks in Noosa for a, for a nice training camp. Brought one of my friends and. You know, I'm just in the middle of, of moving to um, to St. Moritz in Switzerland. Um, so obviously there was a lot of, of stress about um, moving out of my apartment in Denmark and like planning everything, which also meant training have not been been perfect, but it's just been, yeah, I've just tried to make the, made the most out of it. Um, and that's where I think it was, it was not only until... Um, like just coming to Noosa and feeling the vibe there and it was just positive all along. Um, and that's also like, I think I've learned a lot about how to perform well. Uh, it's not only about being in physical top shape, shape, because obviously I'm, I'm not, I'm not in like peak shape right now, but it's just as much being in top shape uh, in the head and the mental game. Um, and having people around you who lift you and and help you to to perform at your at your greatest, um, and I've I've never tried that in the extent I I've tried it on 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 this trip. Um, so that's that's a huge takeaway I I'll I'll bring with me. And obviously, I mean, it turned out to be in pretty good shape. Um, but I think showing the start line, it was more kind of I just wanted to enjoy racing. I I took all the uh, like all the excitement and all the the love from the crowds and and from from the past weeks into into racing, and that just gave me a huge motivational boost. And um, I was just I think for the first time I actually had an Ironman where I was like I was not. I wouldn't say focused, but but I was in the here and now for the whole race, um, and took yeah basically matters in my in my own hands. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was just like uh, Europeans showing uh, that we are better, because I think especially Matt Burden and um, and Nick Thompson were like had awesome races. Um, Especially Matt, he's such a great guy. I uh, I ended up having a huge man crush on him because uh, yeah, he's he's like the perfect human being. Um, and then also his voice, I could uh, I could listen I could listen to him uh, yeah sing lullabies for, or reading bedtime stories for for the rest <laughs> of my life. Life, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's a good looking fella too, Matt Burton. Um, he, <laughs> he he had Singapore Bally as well. He had it probably worse than anyone, the poor bloke. So, um, did, when you're in Noosa, um, did you spend any time with the famous JR swim squad? Yeah, I had. Um, yeah, it was actually kind of fun. It was um, the last week there. I, I I tried just to keep. I wouldn't say low profile, but I just wanted to get my training done um and therefore i didn't really go i, I didn't live in noosa i le- lived like 30 minutes away from noosa so uh, down uh, closer to maruchidor 
So I swam, I swam down there for the majority of uh, of the stay. But then I w- we went to Nusa one day just to also check it out because obviously it's a it's a triathlon mecca. And um, went to the pool. There were, I saw there was a class going, and I just did my set some fast fifties, and I could just feel eyes on me on the whole like the whole time <laughs> from this old man sitting there. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, that was basically when I uh, when I was uh, fetched by uh, by JR. Um, I had uh, the next day. I um, I was invited for uh, for a swim training with the guys, and I was just hooked instantly. That man is a living legend. I've um, coaching wise, I've never felt anything like him. Um, I need, uh, yeah. I, I feel like I need more of him in my in my life. He's um, he's so cool. Um, his attention to details and also the perfect uh, the perfect mix of um, uh, like grandpa vibe uh, and ice cold motherfucker is uh, fantastic. Like it's just what. Um, it's just like like that kind of old school vibe where you just like yeah you just do whatever he tells you to do um and not in a bad way actually it's more because you just have the kind of um respect for him instantly um and obviously he like you can look at his resume uh, he knows what he's talking about um that also helps a lot Part grandpa, part ice cold motherfucker is exactly how you would describe <laughs> JR. Like anyone who's <laughs> met him, that is literally exactly how you would describe him. And I can just picture him. He does this thing. I reckon he would have done it to you 100% where he pulls you in really close. Like when he speaks to you, he doesn't speak to you from five meters away. He'll like pull you in so he's right next to you and he'll like be almost in your and he'll go, now Daniel, before he says something to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's the greatest. But it was it was fun. It was fun because like uh, he he gave me one of the biggest motivational speeches uh, I've I've ever had actually. Because um, <laughs> he was like, um, he he had been talking to Billy uh, Vanilla's uh, husband about me, and uh, he was like, he just asked me straight up, why like why you're not better? Why do don't you have any better results? <laughs> and I was kind of, I was kind of stunned. Um, and I said, "Yeah, basically, I, I've had a couple of years where things have been a bit difficult and not really made the best decisions in the world and stuff like that." And then he he was just looking at me like, "You have to stop fucking around and and make the most out of it. You have every gift in the world to write history. So now's your time." And I was like, you know, I got goosebumps and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, JR. I really appreciate it, everything you've done and so far. And then he just looks at me again and says, mate, you can thank me by winning. And that was just like, yeah, icing on the cake. I was, uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's multiple times the last couple of, or the last week I've I've thought about uh, that quote, like you can thank me by winning. Um and I think that's one that will, that's a quote and also a moment that will stick me, stick with me for the rest of my career. Yeah. He just has this like poignant way of like, 
he just sticks his words right between your eyes. Like they just they affect you. His words. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing just like washes over you that he says. Like when he when he says something, it like it impacts you. I've never met someone who can do it like him. It's weird, isn't it? Mm, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Did he give you that speech before or after? Like a set of sixteen four hundreds. No, nah, no. Nah, after it was the last. Uh, it was the last talk or the last chat we had. So, um, yeah, it helped. And uh, challenge Canberra. This is something I wanted to talk to you about. You'd just done, you know, that swim with with Jr. But Fenella had also Fenella Langridge had also been uh, training with him, doing you know like thirty five k a week in the pool with him. And then she beat you out of the water at Challenge Canberra. The girls, the girls bet your group, uh, your group swim swim time. Were you guys swimming easy or were they just swimming fast? Um, I I actually don't don't really know. I have. A small idea about uh, I think we maybe started late so they just like started the clock before the cannon went off but I'm I'm not sure like Fenella obviously swims pretty well so I wouldn't like I wouldn't second guess it or take it away from her Um, I felt like the I I think the pace was pretty much on um, at our race so I I don't really know, to be honest. And let's talk about these races. So Challenge Canberra was not this weekend, just gone the one before, and then Ironman Bustleton was was yesterday. Um, mm. Talk to me about both races. Like the Challenge Canberra courses, it's it, like the bike course at Challenge Canberra is one of the probably toughest 70.3 or Challenge uh, middle distance uh, bike courses in the world. And then Busso is sort of the complete opposite. It's a really um, flat, fast course. Can you mm. talk me through both races and – sort of let everyone in on Australian racing because not, not much of the world gets down here. Yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah, you couldn't really pick two, like, more different uh, venues or races. Um, Canberra, there was, um, obviously, it's a kind of a big city. Um, therefore, we also have uh, highways and uh, roads like that to, to ride. Um, so... You know, looking at the start list, I was like, I'm not, I'm not really gonna focus too much on the people around me. I'm just gonna focus on what, it, what I do myself. Um, I had a couple of things I, I wanted to excel at, um, and that was kind of the, the most important thing because to be a, like, obviously it was nice to to race in canberra um and and i was really looking forward to race but it's it was more important for me to actually perform here and in Basildon to get the corner slot and um kind of just have a good uh, race at the ironman distance um i really wanted that and i also felt like i needed it so um so in canberra it was um I was actually pretty strict on my race tactics and what I wanted to to do, how I wanted to, like, uh, ta- yeah, tackle the race, and I I went into it like I, I wanted to punish Caleb no- Noble as much as possible, uh, <laughs> not only because he's a he's a good runner, but also um, I, I wanted to save my legs as much as possible on the run, uh, so I didn't have to run like one ten or whatever he he would be capable of um because you you never know with guys like that as you said not a lot of guys come down here so you know we, we don't really 
we we don't really know too much about the the difference in level and um how people react to certain tactics or surges or the run speed or whatever um because obviously you can have melbourne 70.3 melbourne as example we can sit there and look at the look at the races and look at the the uh, sheets and pacing and and so on but you only know how like how the level actually was if you sit in the group and um and if you're there um so uh so i was like i, I wanted to i wanted to attack uh, early on i wanted to um make it as big big of a gap as p- possible on on the bike and then being able to kind of yeah I'll, I'll jog at home in in some way um you know came out of the water in in control and and got on the bike uh had some problems with my visor that fucked up and um that kind of you know we go up the arboretum so we have kind of a a pretty steep climb um early on also means we don't really have a lot of speed that that could kind of fix the visor um and then i i couldn't see the turn so i just continued out in the in the fields and and crashed um and i was uh yeah pretty obviously pretty disappointed about that because it's it's just not the way you want to you want to have your race especially when you have back to back racing um cuz when you crash there can be just smaller things um you take a hit no matter what so um yeah i was a bit mad about it um but there was nothing else to do than just carry on um and then change the plan on the fly that's also part of racing um yeah so basically from there it was just about catching the leaders they they got i think one minute um because of the crash and then yeah just uh it was just about charging um then i i, I caught him and i decided just to go just to go past them to uh to do a search to see how they would respond to to that kind of um of effort and um kurt mcdonald then rode with me one of the young guns uh and i I think we cracked cracked uh, Caleb on that one, um, and then I just made sure to keep the pedal to the metal for the rest of the 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 ride, and and was able to to run a a solid off bike run afterwards. Um, so all in all, obviously not the best to um, to to have a crash, but but all in all, I'm pretty pretty happy about the effort there and. As a race venue, it was amazing. Uh, it was so easy to get in and out of of um, of Canberra, and like the people behind the race made an awesome job to uh, to showcase a uh, a fantastic uh, venue there. Um, and as you said, it's it's one of the hardest courses because obviously you have a little bit of climbing, but it's also on the highway. It's just like rolling hills all the time, um, which made it just. It's hard in in the TG position, and you have to push power all the time. Um, also in in high speed and and low speed, so so pacing strategy is pretty important there. Did you have any um, injuries or niggles from the crash? Uh, <laughs> I'd say if the race had been Saturday, I'd been fucked. <laughs> really, here in the, in Basel, because I my ribs were hurting pretty bad 
and it you know that feeling of like you you feel like your whole like your bones have just moved uh, half a centimeter um so it's just yeah it just didn't feel good um made sure to do stretches and and mobility work and stuff like that uh luckily i woke up sunday and just ready to race um i was like i i have to do whatever i can to to make it as as good as possible and from there it's out of my control then we just yeah have to rest up um but you know obviously racing um sunday and then having a long uh, flight to perth uh, plus travel um driving down it's just tough like the body you it affects you so much traveling um so you really have to respect it and that's also one of the things i've gotten better at the last couple of years to actually yeah respect the impact travel have on on the body the fuel you use in training and racing really does matter one of the big things that's changed in professional triathlon over the past five years is the way the best triathletes fuel they are all increasing the amount of carbohydrate they use per hour in racing and during hard or long training sessions. I've tried so many different nutrition brands and by far the best I've ever tried is Precision Fuel and Hydration. Their PF90 gel, Flow Gel and Caffeine Gel are seriously amazing. They've never upset my stomach. I've always found the taste and texture really nice and they're way easier and less messy to use than traditional gels when you're out there riding or running. The way they're designed just makes it so easy to start increasing your carbohydrate intake during sessions too. You can take three PF90 gels on a ride, for example, like a three-hour ride, and there's 90 grams per hour. Or you can fill one of your drink bottles with a flow gel, and that's the same thing. All you have to do from there is add like one or two caffeine gels on top of it, or if you're someone who likes a drink mix, maybe add some of their drink mix, and that's all you'd ever need for a whole long ride or, or big hard training session. And the same goes for your race day. It really is such an easy way to start doing what the pros are, which is fueling more during your training and racing. And remember that if you do decide to try it for yourself, which I couldn't recommend highly enough, use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. And that's like, this is a part of what's made what you've done the past week pretty incredible because you've gone from Queensland, like being near Maroochydore, uh, which is like close to Brisbane, um, the capital city of Queensland, down to... Um, Canberra, which is in New South Wales, and then you've gone all the way across to to Bustledon, which is sort of nearish to Perth in WA. And people from not from Australia probably don't realise how much travel that is. Like that's pretty much you know, yeah, that's 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 a lot of a lot of flying around Australia and a lot of time in cars. So for you to race Canberra, which is seriously, it's the hardest race. It's the hardest race course we have in Australia. It's like brutally hard. It was also pretty hot to have, and then you've crashed. And then to do that travel literally the entire way across the country and then to back it up and, and, and win Ironman Bustledon is, yeah, it's pretty incredible, mate. So can you, can you talk to me about Bustledon? Um, yeah, obviously coming down here, it was, you get that feeling instantly of um, how the vibe is in a city uh, where Noosa, there was just like people are active, people are outdoors all the time, people surfing loved it there um you go to canberra capital more strict more like suits also huge nightlife but um uh yeah not that i know a lot about that <laughs> wink wink but um yeah uh, <laughs> and then you come here and it's just chilled 
um and i could just feel instantly that was that was the kind of vibe i needed to also mentally be prepared and mentally just um be on point for for the task ahead um luckily i had i had uh, uh two of my best friends with me who could uh, help out um reducing the stress and just uh, help me yeah getting right shape for uh, for the race um so we obviously we um the whole lead up was you know it was not ideal but it was close to perfect at the same way um because it's just it's just been a good mood um and i think for the first time i've actually been not only ready to race but also feeling really grateful to have the opportunity like traveling around the world and seeing places like this also um just from people's like other athletes and and the crowds um positivity about me coming to race i've um i've never experienced that before um and that was, it was so cool to feel actually appreciated for for coming down here and and do the race um i i was all, i was stunned <laughs> i didn't really know what to say when uh like first Steve McKenna and and Matt Burden afterwards came to me and said like they really appreciate me coming down here. Like I've I've never been greeted that way before. Um so obviously it's um I had a pretty strict uh race plan in, in Canberra, um where I had a chat with my coach the day before the race. Um and uh, he's just said made you just have to go out and have some fun um you can race like just race the race um we we are trying to build into um being able to win no matter what position uh, i'm faced and um this is the perfect opportunity to learn some of the stuff like what it takes and also how to race a different race um because of the, it's only like it's basically flat there's uh, less than i think 150 uh, uh, meters of climbing on this course so it it's other it's a whole other um uh, set of of skills you have to bring into a race like this um so i just had to see what it, what what would happen and then if it w- would turn out to be a run race then i would be ready for that and if if i felt like i had to go uh, on the bike then like I had to just have to make the decision, make the decision, and then stick with it one hundred percent. And I think that was actually a good way of of racing um, a field like this, and also just the way the the race kind of unfolded. That was the best approach to to have it because I didn't really feel. Sometimes you can have that feeling of being you have a race plan and it's actually too strict to actually have some elbows, elbow space and, and enjoy racing. And here it was just like all the time on the bike, especially I was like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And, um, yeah, I also did. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, that was a pretty cool way of racing actually. Um, got up out of the water in the front pack, um, Sam Abelson pushed the pace really hard and and did an awesome job there. Uh, and then we had a big 
group of six or seven guys, I think, out on the bike. Um, we were we were out of the water five minutes ahead of Matt Burton, and then I think forty k's in, we I got uh, split that it it was only three forty, I think, um, from there. Um, so when like the pace was kind of on in the front pack, but at 60k uh, in on the bike, um, the guys who I think was uh, Abo and uh, and Steve, they 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 kept the pace high, and then they kind of waved guys through and and wanted people to to work, and I was like, we can't drop now because then Berto and um, and Nick they will catch us way too fast. Um, so I just decided to kind of put in a search also to kind of separate um some of the guys from the from the front pack uh, maybe make it a bit smaller and also i felt like if it was we were approaching a turnaround and and i felt like if they could see they all obviously got the splits um and if they could see that all of a sudden i was in front and we were pulling back time that could also kind of play into that mental game um during the race and uh, i'm pretty sure that that also uh, cracked them a little bit um i did a pretty big search of like 20k um and we pulled i think one minute back so we were almost at five minutes again and um and they obviously they could see in the turn turnaround that i was in the in the front and i kind of i just hoped that uh, it would help it would help just a little bit to, for them to not have that kind of high over um, just like uh, catching us. Um, and then it went a little bit, uh, yeah. Um, you know, Steve took some polls. We had some guys in, in the group or yeah, who, who didn't do shit. Uh, and that's how it always is. Um and then Abbo unfortunately crashed into some age group in the middle of the road uh, because she just pulled out in front of him. Um, so he uh, he had to DNF, um, which was really shitty to see because he he did tell tell me himself, and also he showed on the race course that he was he was fit. Uh, you know that's one of the things when you get a kid. It's not you, you don't always get the perfect lead up and. This time around, he actually had a perfect lead up. Lead up. So it's um, for stuff like that to happen is just unforgiving, basically, because um, it's not supposed to happen in professional sports. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I've been told that's not a, a fight I'm supposed to start. <laughs> so um, did you see the crash? I I, di I didn't see the crash, um, but my uh, one of my best friends saw the crash, and they said it was just. Yeah, it's just it was just so stupid in any possible way, um, and I don't think people actually realize what's on on the line for. Uh, yeah, for a guy like Abo, uh, obviously he's Australian, but he also he lives in the states and have to pay uh, to to come here. All the expenses, time away from family. Um, it's just it's tough not getting home with anything and uh, all of a sudden he's there on the side of the road with a um yeah massive road rash and um and a bike that doesn't work anymore 
which you also have to pay to fix. You know, it's all of a sudden it's just a huge expense, and um, and now next year he'll have to redo his calendar just to to find another Iron Man to do. Um, so it's just yeah, it's just shitty. It's a shitty position to be in um, for things that could actually be yeah things that could actually be avoided if uh yeah if we if we just didn't have uh or if we probably just had a more professional approach to the sport who told you that this is a fight you're not supposed to fight yeah i think uh, i've had i've i've maybe had plenty of times where uh, uh i speak before i think <laughs> on <laughs> podcasts and and all the places so yeah my uh my manager gave me a challenge where I I have to I have to stop and think three seconds before I answer something, and then I can answer afterwards. <laughs> when we're like, uh, before we put this podcast out there, I have to go through and like, like edit out all the three second breaks you've ta- taken before <laughs> I ask every question. After I ask every question, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nah, you can hear it, it's not going is is not going to plan uh, <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> but it is crazy, like, isn't it? I don't think this is a controversial one. I think whether you're the slowest age grouper that's ever done a triathlon or whether you're, you know, Daniela Reef or Jan Fadino, I think everyone can acknowledge that it's pretty crazy that we have a really narrow gap where someone like Sam Appleton can be going, you know, probably at that time on that busso course between 45 and 50K mm. an hour, going yeah. directly next to an age grouper doing, you know, 20 to 30K an hour. and it, like mm. it, there's such tight gaps on so many of those courses. Like that Busso course has some really narrow gaps. Um, you mentioned Melbourne before, like a course down here, it has some crazy narrow gaps. Um, mm. You said you, you spent some time in Noosa. There's a 70.3 there, Sunshine Coast. It has some crazy narrow patches where it's chaos and like there's just groups and stuff. Like, yeah, there there is some stuff that just needs fixing there. I think that's that's actually the whole thing because it's, it's basically at all races. It's not only the narrow gaps. It's also um, it's also the aid stations. Um, yeah, I didn't get any. I basically didn't get any uh, water on the second lap because uh, on the first lap we were lucky. There was only the seventy point threes that was started before us, but all of a sudden we have seventy point threes and Ironman age groupers who uh, like basically stop at the aid stations or doesn't really look look uh backwards when when they are starting again from having a lunch break at the at the aid stations and obviously we the the beauty of the sport is also that we have that kind of close connections uh, close connection to to the age group um uh field and we race on the same days and so on but at the same time it's just causing so much damage um not not only in in like uh not only in in um avoiding crashes like like evo but also just race interference like i was there there was a even a, a an official um ironman judge on the motorbike that was about to give a some age grouper uh, a penalty where we came past with like t- double the amount, uh, double the speed. Um, so I had to cross the, the center line not to crash into the motorbike. Um, 
and it's then I was yelling and yelling like uh, 40 meters uh, before we came to the spot and he didn't realize at all the guy on the motorbike didn't use the mirrors to see that we were coming and it's just like so right now I have the opportunity to actually get a disqualification like Lionel uh, at the world championships just because the official um the official motorbike like can't yeah function in in a rightly manner and so what do i do do i just break but then i'm brake checking the guys behind me so then i can also get a penalty for that and you know it's those there's way too many small like dangerous um things happen that's that's harming the race but also in danger of the athletes um and then they are talking about all kinds of stuff on the side where the decisions are made because of uh, uh, athlete safety or whatever, where it's like there's so many other aspects that is way more dangerous than uh, swimming in a bit of chop or like all that stuff. Um, so it's just, I think what's important is just clear communication where we we can kind of discuss the way to move forward because obviously the sport, luckily the sport is, is getting bigger and bigger and and more people, more professionals, also more age, age groupers are at the races. Uh, but that also means we have a responsibility um, to actually make it safe and, and I'd say also more professional uh, when we're racing. Otherwise, we just have to do one massive uh, 180 kilometers, which that would be perfect for pros. But at the same time, it wouldn't really be good for uh, for media coverage and yeah, um, lots of other stuff. Logistics will probably also be a pain in the ass. Um, but but to to touch on that stuff, I think one of the guys I had down here, he's like he's a ex professional bike rider, and he was standing there looking at. We have guys like me and and the other pros who are yeah we are, we have the best equipment in the world we are training 30 plus hours a week um formula 1 uh, type machines coming through and then we also have um age groupers who uh, who ride in vans and can do a, a 180 degree uh, turn without either crashing or of putting a foot down and obviously we we need to have space for everybody because that's also the beauty of the sport but we also as i said before have, need to find kind of a middle ground where we can make make sure that we we don't cause any unnecessary dangerous um situations um because like the the thing that happened in in hamburg is is just that's one thing but we have many inc incidents during just one race that can like could potentially end up in in uh, yeah the worst possible uh, scenarios and that's that's not what we want in the sport if you've got big races coming up or plans to do a triathlon in the future and need to sort out having a fast comfortable and amazing looking triathlon suit then win republic is where you need to look head to win republic's website at winrepublic.com and check out all of their amazing world-leading triathlon suits. They were designed by professional triathletes Luke and Beth McKenzie, who care about four things. They care about speed, comfort, practicality, and looking bloody good. 
Use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off anything you get from their website because they've also got some equally amazing cycling and running kit to have a look at while you're there. I want to ask you a question because so many people throw up that the problem is how many people are on course. Like we're not going to – there's not going to be a world where Ironman are just doing pro races like the PTO are, which would would obviously make things way safer and and racing way less uh, with way less interference for the pros, but it's not going to happen. So a lot of people throw up the idea that if you just reduce the numbers, it would make things better. So you did challenge Canberra, which probably only had – I don't know, 400 people out on course doing the middle distance race. And then you raced Bustleton, which, you know, has a couple of thousand. Was, did it feel like there was a big difference in safety and interference from the age groupers between the two races? Mm. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I still think, I think the, the most dangerous thing is actually the, uh, the different skill level in handling a bike um because when you're overtaking with the, with twice the amount of speed uh carrying into the uh to the pass you know it's you also have to depend on the person in front of you to actually be able to handle the bike and that's not always the case so that creates also creates some of the dangerous situations um I'd say there was still some sketchy stuff going on in in Canberra so I'm I'm not hundred percent sure uh, about that, but if if it's the case that Ironman would not reduce the numbers, then could we? This is just a quick thought, um, and now I probably have to take a three second pause. But um, <laughs> like, would it would it be possible to actually have a scenario where you could have five thousand or six thousand or whatever age groupers racing, for for example, a seventy point three? And then ending up having either the the uh, yeah ending up having a, a break and then the pros racing in the afternoon probably work for seventy point three because then you could have more you, you could have more age groupers racing the the seventy point three because the skill level is not as as big uh, as it as it is for the pros therefore there would be like less of a you know we, we there would not be as many uh, motos. On the, on the course for the pros and um yeah hopefully we we could have both a nice race for for the pros where spectators could also watch it um and there could be more money in the bank environment because they could have more age groupers in the race i, I don't know if that's yeah possible possibly uh, possible at all but um yeah it could be cool if we could just have kind of a a situation where pros could have a pro only race um to risk or to to like drop down the risk of uh, of uh, crashes and so on dangerous situations i guess there's a couple of factors there isn't it? it's like would the extra entries they could potentially get by you know if you're saying hey we can now increase the age group entries um during that race because it's a bit safer like the question is would they actually get any extra entries and if they did would it you know, um, would it make them more money than what the, you know, extra three, four hours of road closures would cost them? It, like, that would be an interesting question to ask someone. I, I don't actually reckon it, yeah, would, it would end up getting any more entrance. So I think it probably would just be an extra cost for Ironman in the end with like road closures and that kind of thing, which, you know, like they're not going to do that. They're a business who operate on, 
on bottom line. Yeah. I think that's such a big part of it. Um, and then you still got the the problem for Ironman races. Like you're not going to start an Ironman race at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, are you? Uh, you could do it. Then we would be done at uh, 7.30. I like it. Twilight racing. I think uh, the, with, no. the thing with triathlon is we don't really try new things, do we? Yeah, that's that's actually a huge thing. I was uh, like, why are we still caught caught up in that kind of? It has to be a certain uh, a certain distance. Why can't we do it based on time? Like, just have a uh, like, yeah, other distances, but also uh, does it have to be hundred? I'm moving to St. Moritz. Imagine swimming in the Lake Lake Como on one of those nice lakes um, down at sea level, and then riding up. The hill is only 45 kilometers or so, but it will take like, I don't know, two hours. Uh, yeah, maybe more. And then run in St. Moritz. Stuff like that. That would be fun to watch. Yeah. Or at least try. I'm with you. I think this was short course triathlon. Like short course triathlon need to let go of like the crappy little circuit courses that are all the same and they're all a really set distance and go go to stuff like that. You know how they did with Kitzbühler in 2013. Like That's probably the best short short course exactly. race exactly and Kitzbühel that's hands down the coolest race ever raced yeah I think it is too yeah and Ironman could do that as well but the real people who need to do it like Ironman are what they are they have a business model that works bloody well like they make really good yeah. money they have like if you go to an Ironman race and you're behind the scenes they have such a well-oiled machine they just like they mm. I don't mean this offensively I actually almost mean this complimentary they're sort of cookie cutter like they 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 go into a town. They have that. They have a setup that works. They have a product that works. Mm. People love it. They make lots of money. I, I don't really see huge incentive for Ironman to change. But the people who I do see big incentive to make changes are the PTO because they're coming in. They're trying to change things, make things better, and you don't want them to fall into the trap. And I think they already are by like like what you're saying. Like now, Ironman have you know. Um, set distances so now the pto like to compete they think they have to they think they have to go 2k 80k mm. 18k and it's like you don't need that you just need to have courses that are amazing with really deep fields yeah. and good prize money and people will come but now they're sort of yeah i think they're falling into some old school traps like imagine if the pto did what you talked about where they have a, a, a race that goes up a mountain for the bike and then runs around the top of the mountain like kids Buller did or um yeah that, that kind of thing it would be yes, that would be spectacular on a whole other level than uh, yeah than any, anything else we've seen before. I think yeah, just yeah, it's triathlon. We're a bit stuck in the mud sometimes. Like we don't make a lot of change, yeah. do we? Ah, uh, true. We're a bit scared, a bit scared. But um, yeah. Anyway, mate, back to back to Bustledon. So you're on the bike, oh, yeah. and, and <laughs> <laughs> you're on the bike, and. <laughs> Apo hit an age grouper and crashed and it took him out of the race who all due to due respect to Matt Burton, Nick Thompson, Steve McKenna and Caleb Noble, Sam Appleton was probably the guy who was going to push you deepest into that race, I think, um, alongside Matt. Yeah, Burton. 100%. But then again, I think I, that, was, that was what I thought bef before the race. Um, but we'll come to that. We'll come to that later. Um yeah, so so I was I was doing the math and I thought like okay, I could see uh, I did one more I did one more push and uh, yeah, 
I was looking down on the power meter and I was like, ah, that uh, either this is gen genius or or it, I'm gonna fuck it up completely. So I decided to switch off the the power and just uh, go by speed instead, because um, it's you know it's you sometimes you can miss your best days if you're just stuck to a certain power uh, output. And I decided just to, yeah, uh, send it basically. Um, and if if uh, you know if I went, I, I think I had the first ninety k with like forty nine point nine or fifty point point zero kilometers an hour average, and I was like, okay, if if I can see what I've pushed, and if the guys behind Nick and uh, and Matt they uh, they want to catch up, then they have to push some serious uh, wattage, and that will, yeah, they will pay for that later on the run. Um, so. Um, so that was kind of the the plan, just to to keep it as as fast as possible. Also play a little bit into the the mental side of things, and um, got um, got Steve to to work pretty well on the bike, um, and just kept kept the pace as as uh, high as possible. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I uh, but. Uh, took a pull and got a gap and then when i was like yeah now i just have to basically ride as in some way conservative as and fast as possible because we also have a, a marathon to to run and you know you, even though it's a complete flat course that can also kind of kill your legs because it's you don't have that kind of change in muscle groups or anything you're just uh, kind of stuck in the same gear the the whole way um so I I know the last ten kilometers on on a run like that can be brutal as well. Um, then uh, I could see um, um, I could see Berto uh, coming through, and I was like, uh, he he had told me before the race that um, riding sub uh, sub four hours would be a huge goal of his. Um, and I could see, I could hear the cheers he got from from the spectators when he was just behind me, and so I, I waved waved him through, and I think that's probably one of the highlights of my uh, of my race because he like the the cheers and the amount of love he received from the uh, from the crowds that was just amazing to witness. Um, a home a home home race favorite um, coming into T two first, breaking four hours on the bike for the first time. And just soaking it all up. That was, uh, yeah, that was really cool to uh, to experience and to to witness. Um, got out on the run, and then I thought, you know, I I, I thought, well, he's probably going to run on his best day. He's going to run two fifty. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, especially after a, a bike like that, because I think he he's probably been running two fifty five before or so. Uh, here in Basildon, so that would like it a decent, I'll say it a decent um, level up in 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 running capabilities would probably be five minutes. Uh, and I overtook him pretty quick, and the gap just did not grow any bigger than ten seconds. And uh, then he that kind of started to uh, to get into my head, like because I could see I was running uh, three thirty five. Um, and I thought on a good day I could probably three three thirty five would be 
like if I wasn't peak shape, that would be good enough for the whole marathon. But I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not in shape for that right now. And uh, yeah, it was uh, that was just it was it was tough to handle uh, mentally uh, the first lab or so. Um, luckily, um, luckily, I just at some point he kind of lost one minute and um and then it was two and three minutes so all of a sudden i could kind of relax a little bit more and just yeah basically run as fast as possible as easy as possible and making sure to get the nutrition and and don't make any stupid mistakes um so that was basically just the whole run uh i i thought like the first 30k i would i would just push it um see see where the fitness was at and then the last 10k i i would kind of enjoy if i was in, in a position to do that um so that was uh, yeah that was the run i think uh, it's it's the coolest ironman run course i've ever been on because there's just people everywhere uh, dj is playing Fantastic crowds, beautiful girls, um, lots of cheers. It was just, yeah, it was perfect. And so you ended up winning. You ran 237 and and Matt Burton, well, I sort of laughed before because you said you thought on a good, on his best day, he could run 250. He ended up running 244 yeah. if I'm not, I think I've got that right. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, quite a lot and faster. And to be honest, I think that his his performance doesn't really – get like it should have so much credit because it blew my blew my mind it was a perfect race for him like he executed so well um i i have nothing but great words to say about that man um yeah that was really that was really cool and I, i think you're right because the course record before that was 745 which max newman um got last year and we all know how good Max oh, Newman. No. Alistair, Alistair Brown still had it. Oh, Max, he, he, had a, yeah, he didn't true, get it. True, true, true. Yeah, Alistair yeah. had it. Yeah, yeah. But there's actually a funny story about Max because I've heard some rumors that he called him and his brother called the uh, called their friend. What's he called? Mitch Kibby or something. Mitch uh, Kibby. Yeah. And uh, they wanted they they wanted him to do anything they uh, anything he he could to get me out of the race. So I I think all all of a sudden he uh, yeah. He's uh, he's not the type of person I actually thought he was. Tell me more. It's maybe because I it's maybe because I I made fun of his uh, cockatoo or whatever it called it's called his bird. <laughs> Tell me more about this story. I, so they called they called Mitch Kibby and what are we talking? Get you out of the race by illegal means or, or on race yeah, day? Yeah, that was that was that was the that was the stories uh, at the after party uh, yesterday at least. I haven't heard a lot more, but um, I know I know there was kind of I felt like there was a hit on my face. Um, they they put out a, a bounty on uh, on crashing me or something. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing so, something uh, here. So you, but that's that's okay. It was only it was on, only ten minutes, Maxi. You can come back next year and maybe, yeah, we'll see. When Alistair did it, he they, he probably didn't have uh, super shoes either, so. Uh, that must hurt, hurt a little bit more. But I, they, I, I sort of thought they ran. They had the exact same time. Like I thought they both went seven forty-five <laughs> twenty. But I'm have do I have that wrong? Did did Alistair get? Yeah, him on he was one back? second slower. It was one second last year. 
Yeah, right. There yeah. you go. In my own country, I don't even know the races. Um, uh, so what did you say about Max's cockatoo? <laughs> I'll not bring that up again. <laughs> tell, tell the story. Take <laughs> no, three seconds and then tell it. Yeah, it was just it was just because all of a sudden he uh, he couldn't uh, he couldn't get his cockatoo babysit for uh, for the uh, PTO Milwaukee and nobody knew nobody knew if he was coming or not. Even either uh, even the PTO didn't know that uh, that he was not he was not showing up. So uh, yeah, I just made a tiny bit of fun about that. I don't know. Do you wish, like Max Newman, obviously the king of Australian triathlon, the the best uh, long course triathlete we have. Uh, do you wish that you did get a chance to go head to head with him at, at Ironman Bustledon while you were down here? Uh, I think uh, I think Matt would still have uh, killed him. So uh, with that with that time, he he's probably the new king of Australian long distance triathlon. That's such a huge call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maxie will hate that. That that'll that'll yeah. That's yeah, he, this is uh, oh, just a new on, a, a new layer come to on. the rivalry of Daniel Backyard and Max. I Newman. thought he was Australian. Yeah, this, this is good. I'm I'm now I'm excited for when you guys get to race next because that's uh everything's on the line now. Bragging rights are on the line. It'll be good <laughs> if he shows up again. Then uh, I'll be ready. Uh, uh, the, the, Max Newman's a dangerous man when he's uh, when he's motivated to beat someone. I think that's when you get the best version of Max. So that would be nice if, to if see you and him on a, are on a start line together next year, uh, and and you find yourself <laughs> in similar positions. He'll be a hard man to break for you, I reckon. Because uh, yeah. all of, all of a sudden he'll just have ten friends uh, around him. He bought out to just uh, kill me. Uh, what was it, uh, Alistair Brownlee style? WCS, <laughs> yeah, with Javier Gomez, with uh, yeah, exactly. Who was it? Oh, uh, that's all we did talk. We asked Jonathan Brownlee about that on the podcast, and he said that was all just uh, I, I don't think I all, don't think they ever did that. All just, just speculation. <laughs> so we, got, <laughs> that's just all rumor. That's a funny story though, yeah. too. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, people won't know what we're talking about. But um, just to circle back, you said that before the start of the race that you thought Sam Appleton was your biggest competition and that you'd come back to that um, after, after you told the story of the race. Yeah, actually it's just from analytics afterwards. I think um, I I'm hundred percent sure Matt was the best prepared for this race actually. Um, Cause the way he the way he uh, was riding the 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 bike like it was just constant that was not it was like it was a perfect pacing strategy and the fact that he it was only the last couple of kilometers he actually broke on the run um i think that like you can say always when when there's somebody running next to you or you're under pressure you can always find that kind of extra gear and i think that was what he also he showed today and or yesterday and and that's also why i think it was very important to make that early search after 60 kilometers that i did because i think if if he had caught the front group after let's say 75 80 kilometers the race would have been completely different um 
and yeah, I I think he just have some he have some weapons in his Arsenal letters that like Sam is a well well rounded athlete, but to ride the way Matt he did and then run two forty four or two forty three afterwards, yeah, I, I, I that would be a task for for Abbo to actually uh, to do that. I think. And so now that you've done some racing in Australia and you've won two races, and like I talked about at the start of the show, uh, the Europeans are just completely dominating long course triathlon. Like I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's it's um, probably the Europeans' best ever period in long course triathlon. Can you talk to me about why you think there is such a gap between Europe and the rest of the world when it comes to like the depth of athlete, like just how many high, like really world-class, you know, top 10, top 20 long course triathletes in the world that you guys have? I think it just comes down to inspiration from each other. Um, obviously, we, we know each other a bit better than um, than we know Americans and um, and Australians. And we we just built, um, obviously, we want to, we want to kill each other on race day and if you want want to be able to do that you also have to kill yourself in daily training um so i think it just comes comes down to that um inspiration and a good culture of um of racing middle and long distance um yeah and when you're when you're racing like the australian races or um like races outside of europe are they actually easier races? Like, is the level not as high, and and therefore, like, when you're racing over in Europe, do you think it forces you to develop because the races are harder, or is there not that big a gap in the actual difficulty and uh, of of the races? I don't. I don't think there's that big of a gap because um, take a race like Canberra. That's I would say that's kind of a typical, like mid-season race challenge race in in europe or or one of the uh, like a bit bigger local events you have in in europe because canberra was like a, a low uh, um like the the stuff they had around the race it was not the biggest the biggest rollout of from from challenge um it was it was kind of you got the vibe that it was kind of a small local event um and from that, I actually think it was a quite high level of of athletes turning up for for an, uh, an event like that. Um, you can find that many places in in Europe, challenge uh, events, and also um, other local events. Um, obviously, you can sometimes you can have some some professional uh, like professional high profile professional athletes coming and racing if it's if it fits the calendar or if they get. Um, a starting fee or, or whatever it is but but i think yeah for for the level of of uh of race uh, it actually was i was quite surprised about the um about the uh, this the men's starting field or also women's to be honest and so what now so you are you going to stay in australia for a little holiday or are you back to europe and preparing for next year i uh, i'm going to have uh, 10 days off the grid, uh, driving around in my camper van uh, with my mom and see uh, the countryside of, uh, or not countryside, the coastal uh, side of uh, 
Australia down south from uh, from Busselton. Um, I heard that's the that's the perfect way of uh, of enjoying it or and experiencing uh, Australia. So um, I think that will be awesome. Um, and I really look forward to it. Just uh, have a couple of uh, easy bike rides and uh, and hard swim sets, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, easing back to it um, into training. Uh, obviously, I had off season after. Uh, Singapore so uh, now it's just about uh, keeping the training going and uh, then we'll have a busy race, race schedule for next year. Talk to me about that do you have next year decided like do you know whether you're going to be targeting the PTO races or the Ironman Pro Series or a bit of bit of both or is your is your focus just on the Ironman World Championships what's next year going to look like? Uh, yes I, I can't see it, say any, anything else I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> we'll see One, but it will be exciting two, i really look forward to it that's uh that's for sure does that mean that you know things we don't know po- possibly what do you... or maybe i don't know anything and then i just want to do some suspense <laughs> <laughs> you've turned um, you've turned full youtuber <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i'm a natural born entertainer <laughs> <laughs> people's Oh. I'm uh, I'm a real crowd pleaser. That was what I uh, somebody told me yesterday. So uh, I have to take that. Nah, I think I think no no matter what, it's a beautiful time of of uh, of being a professional athlete, uh, triathlete, and the amount of races we are able to do, and also like uh, big races. Uh, like everybody else, I was I was really surprised of seeing uh, Ironman stepping up and and do such a, an amazing, uh, um, yeah, job at doing the the circuit. I think it's it's awesome and it's it's what we need to uh, to build the sport. Um, that's uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. So are you going to be doing the Ironman Pro Series? Drum roll! <laughs> we'll. Uh... We'll see. I will be on a start line. That's uh, that's for sure. Right. Of an Ironman Pro Series race. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll not say anything. Okay. I, I've specifically been told not to say anything. By Ironman or the PTO? By my manager. <laughs> Who got told it by <laughs> Ironman or the PTO? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm on Maxi's side here. Um, yeah, keeping secrets from us. Yeah, you're uh, you're, <laughs> you're on my hit list too now. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's uh, fine. I can do with that. But you can check out my YouTube channel in the in the coming month months, and then I'll do a YouTube video where oh, I will reveal my. Uh... You you just want to <laughs> you keeping the exclusive for yourself. Oh, I get it, mate. I get how it is. I you know that that's, that's how it is. We're colleagues now. Yeah, yes. We're in the uh, we're in the in the entertainment business. Right. That yeah, okay. That's maybe what... I should do uh I should probably do uh later today I'm gonna do a, an interview of uh Fenella Langridge. Um I think you're actually up next. I, I wanna do a sit down interview with you. Yeah, man. Just yeah. uh and then you have to be hundred percent honest about anything I ask. <laughs> okay, I'll do that if the same applies for you <laughs> on here. If you have if you're hundred percent honest on here, then I'll do that. <laughs> Stop. I am 100% honest. Okay, what well, races are you racing next year then? I've been told not to say anything. 
uh, well, I uh, I really hope that uh, me and you can share coffee and breakfast again at a PTO event next year. Maybe seven of them, maybe eight of them. That would be really nice. Uh, but if not, mate, then... that would that would be a pleasant uh, thing to happen. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on, uh, Daniel. Very good to talk to you. Um, Thanks a lot, Jack. And yeah, well done, mate. You you seriously killed it down here in Australia. And like. I know those boys already said it to you, but it, it is awesome. We don't get many people come down here for races. And watching you and Fenella and Owls, it really did make the, the races exciting. And, yeah, you fucking crushed it. So hopefully that rolls into next year and you can uh, do what JR said and stop uh, stop wasting uh, <laughs> the, the gifts that God's given you and, and, you know, start winning big races more consistently because I think he's right, mate. I think you, you are someone who could take that next step. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you to all of Australia for being so uh, nice to me. And uh, I, yeah, I love it down here. Uh, it's not the last time I've uh, I've stopped by. So um, hopefully, I see I'll see you in the future. Thank us by winning. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> all right, mate. Enjoy your enjoy your coastal trip. Enjoy the uh, enjoy what Australia has to give you. It'll be fun. Thanks a lot, mate. I appreciate it. If you haven't been to The Feed's website yet, it's time you went and checked it out. It's your one-stop shop for all things triathlon nutrition. The Feed basically have all of the world's best training and race day nutrition products in one place, so you don't have to do multiple orders from multiple websites and pay shipping on all of them. Or you don't have to go to the effort of driving around to different shops to get different products. You can just head to The Feed's website and it's all there in one place for you. So like I said, if you haven't gone and checked it out, you should go and do that right now. You'll see for yourself how easy it makes buying all of your training and racing nutrition. It's also a really good way to look at nutritional products you never knew existed and try them out by chucking them on top of your order and seeing if they might work for you. Thefeed.com. It really is your number one resource for all things triathlon nutrition.